Oh, I've missed you guys so much. I'm going to cry. Uh, my name is Jody Van Ree. My husband and I, Eric, planted the Adventure Church in the year 2000. And Eric passed away in February, so I've kind of been going through uh, some stuff. Um, I'll just share with you guys a little bit of um, the journey, but first I just want to just invite the Lord to speak through me. I love you guys. Well, Lord, I just come before you. Lord, I'm brokenhearted, but I am full of faith, Lord. I just ask, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that you would fill me to overflowing so I could speak your words of life and encouragement. I know that's what you're about, Lord. You're about bringing us more life, abundant life. And so I ask that you would just use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So <clears throat> I just wanted to share a little bit with you guys. I know that I kind of just, just kind of fell off the, the radar for a little bit. Um, what led up to that was, you know, I was, I was kind of hanging out here and I was involved and, and I really felt that I needed to be just immediately after Eric passed away. Um, but at one, one morning I woke up and I just sensed the Holy Spirit saying, you need to take time to grieve. And um, I, I was like, yeah, I know. And I just kind of kept going about, you guys never do that, of course. <laughs> but, uh, but that that night, um, I got together with my pastor um, from California, and um, he just looked me in the eyes, and he said, Jody, you have great faith. He said, but your heart hasn't caught up with your faith yet. He said, you need to take time. And I knew that he was speaking to me as a dad, as a father. And so I listened, and I'm, I'm really grateful that I did, and I've really been taking the time I've really been learning so much. The Holy Spirit, as you know, the Bible says that the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. And so I, I've been hearing his voice so clearly, and his word has just been, been my source. The Bible, I mean, I, I, I go walking in the mornings with my headphones in, and, and I've, I've almost gone through all of the Psalms. And I don't listen to a scripture just one time. I listen to the same one three, four, five times, and I've been going through all the book of Psalms, and it has been so life-giving and so encouraging for me, and I just encourage you guys to do the same thing, especially if you're in a place of, of brokenness and hurting. Um, the Psalms are incredible, and you can really learn about the character of the God who loves you so much. So I've been doing that. I've had a few numb days, as you can imagine, where I just kind of was blobbing, um, as Ira would say, <laughs> schlepping. Um, and um, I just got back, well, I went to Hawaii um, for our Foursquare convention, and it was the first convention that I've been to in 17 years without him. And it was brutal. I know you say, you were in Hawaii, come on, how bad can it be? <laughs> but there were times where I couldn't breathe. And 
I missed him so much. I know you guys miss him too. I missed his humor. Everybody at the convention missed his humor because, you know, we have these really, really intense business meetings, you know, and then they do like this open mic thing. And every time Eric would get up to the mic, everybody would be like, this is going to be good. (laughs) They all knew (laughs) it was not just going to be business as usual whenever Eric got up there. So um, I know you guys have been... uh, um, going through our values. And, you know, one of our values that Chase talked about was authenticity, that we, we believe it's super important to be real, to be authentic for real, not just to say you're authentic, but really to just feel free to be yourself, not try to pretend or cover up or hide or anything. So today I want to just ask that you guys would extend a little bit of grace for me. I will probably break down a few times and... Um, I'm just going to just talk, okay? So um, this is not going to be the greatest sermon in in the world, but I just want to connect with you guys. And um, I I actually went to a grief counselor. uh, I I actually went to two. I went to one in Colorado, um, and then I went, I I just got back from L.A. Friday night. I went down to, actually, the, the guy who was our district supervisor who called us out to Utah, so I've worked through that and forgiven him, but anyway, (laughs) no, I'm kidding. I love Utah. You guys know I love Utah. Eric asked me one time, he goes, if you could live anywhere, where would you live? I said Utah, and I mean that. I'm being authentic for real, but um, anyway, so so I went to this grief counselor, and you know, he started going into like my childhood and stuff, and I'm like, oh, come on. I can barely remember that far back, (laughs) and you know, he just had me unearth some things, and I think, you know, I shared with you guys that, it, that the Lord has, was really, really speaking to me from Joshua chapter 1. Initially, I went into Joshua chapter 1 thinking that all I was going to do was learn about leadership principles because I knew that the Holy Spirit had called me to lead this church, even though I didn't really think it was a great idea. And, um, and then, as you guys know, I didn't say anything for a year, and then Eric came to me and said, I think you need to take over the leadership of the church, because his sites were global. He had, he had stuff going on in China, and Taiwan, and um, the Philippines, and, and so, um, so I thought that I was reading about just leadership, but as I began to read it, it was one week to the day before he died, and it said, Moses, my servant is dead, and I've called you to lead these people. And I knew the Lord was saying, I'm talking about Eric, and I'm talking about you. And I know I've shared this with you, um, but I want to just go back and revisit that because I think it's important for you guys to understand the context. Um, and then I really believe that the, that the second half of that chapter was for you guys to get your provisions ready and to, to cross the Jordan, whatever that means for you personally, to cross over that Jordan into that next level and to fully become who God created you to be. And, and that's um, really the direction that I felt that the Lord has, is calling this church and this group of people. Um, the scripture that the Lord continued to, to bring to my remembrance was, be strong and courageous, do not be terrified, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Yeah, good promise. But when you're a grieving widow, and it says, have I not commanded you? So I'm like, this is actually a command. Be strong. Be courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. I mean, I was scratching my head on that one. 
He's going, Lord, I'm a wreck. How am I supposed to be strong? How am I supposed to be courageous? I'm terrified. And you know, there was some stuff that happened in the church and I was discouraged. And the the second part of that says, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So the after I went through some of my, you know, my life mapping, they call it, um, of my childhood, we got to this section, um, you know, where you kind of, it's, it's, it's an excruciating exercise, I just want to say, but it was so beneficial because I realized for the first time that the predominant lie or one of the, the predominant lies in my life was that I was alone. And that's what led to my self-sufficiency and my independence and why I went to Europe and backpacked for nine months by myself and all of these things. You know, it's, that was what I believed. And I would have told you mentally, I mean, logically, I, I love the Bible and I read the Bible and it says I'm not alone. And that song, I am not alone, I am not alone, you will go before me. That was the song. That was my theme um, throughout the last few months. But... But when I, when I started to, to recognize that that was really a predominant lie for me, um, the second morning, the counselor, his name is Robbie, he came down, and the first thing he said out of his mouth, he said, I just feel like I'm supposed to tell you Joshua 1.8. Now, I haven't memorized the whole Bible, so I, but I knew what Joshua 1.8 said. And that was the scripture that God kept giving me again and again and again. And for the first time, I got the whole thing. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And it all came into focus for me. And then I posted on Facebook, I said, I think I saw in color for the first time today. It's been pretty black and white. Yeah, you can give God glory. So, um, I'm still a wreck, so just so you know, just because I saw a little bit of color doesn't mean, oh, it's over, she's out of it. <laughs> um, I know you guys have been talking, um, we, had, we had planned to talk about the, the values of the Adventure Church. These are the values that we came up with when we first moved here, and they've pretty much remained the same, we've kind of just work through them. If you are a part of this family, I would really recommend that you review them and know what they are, know what's really important to us, what we believe is important um, in the word of God. And the the values that I'm going to talk about today, I'm actually going to cover two. One of them I'm just going to kind of go through a little bit briefly. Um, And that is number nine, no spiritual weirdness. No weirdness. Anybody have a story about weirdness, spiritual weirdness? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those of you who have been in ministry definitely have stories about spiritual weirdness. Um, do you guys, how many of you have heard of a band called the Beatles? <laughs> do you remember the White Album? Yeah. Number nine, number nine, number nine. Number, that was one, one whole track. <laughs> anyway. That's no spiritual weirdness. So I'm going to cover that one a little bit. And then our value number 10. And I thought this was really ironic and very funny that the week that I'm coming back is uh, 
Number 10, which is thou shalt have fun. I was like, oh, yeah, because this has been a blast the last three months. Uh, Anyway, so um, that's a really important value for us, um, is that we enjoy each other, and we enjoy the Lord, and that we have fun. Don't you think that that's important? Don't you think, I mean, you think about certain things. God has a sense of humor. God has a a really good sense of humor. So the first one I'm going to talk about right now is um, no spiritual weirdness, no weirdness. Um, I could tell you a lot of stories. I won't, but um, just know that there are a lot of people who, uh, for whatever reason, kind of go to kind of the fringes or outside of biblical principles and call it God. I I will say, okay, for example, here's one example, because I don't know them at all, and I'm not trying to be judgmental, but you know the guys that go down to Temple Square and, and yell at the LDS people during the conference? You know? That's weird. Think about Jesus. Think about the things that Jesus did. Could you even fathom Jesus down there with a placard, you know, going, God hates you. Seriously? To me, that's super weird. Anybody else agree with me? You can't raise your hand? Come on. <laughs> that's weird. That stuff is weird. Okay, so Acts seventeen eleven. And the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica. They listened eagerly to Paul's message, and they searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were telling the truth. They were commended for knowing what the Bible said, not just knowing it to know it, but knowing it to have a relationship with their creator. They, they, They looked at the scriptures every day, to make sure that what they were hearing was true. I think that is a really good safeguard for all of us to know the Bible, to know what it says in the Bible so that when weird stuff, like people screaming at LDS people, that God hates them. Or have you guys seen the meme where Jesus is um, talking to his disciples? And he's like, you guys, I said I hated figs. Some of you will get that on the way home, but uh, <laughs> anyway, that's weird. I mean, that's weird stuff. People, when you say that God hates a certain group of people, I'm sorry, that's, that's, a, that's, a, hard, that's a hard thing to grasp. If, if the Bible says about God that he's love, right? So uh, letter A, um, stick with the truth. So know the word, stick with the truth. 1 Corinthians 15, 2, it says, this is the good news that saves you. If you continue believing the message I told you, unless, of course, you believed something that was never true in the first place. I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. Christ died for our sins, the lamb has overcome. What that means, the lamb has overcome. What? What is that talking about? Jesus was, was called the spotless lamb. He was the perfect sacrifice with no spot or blemish. He's the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 
He died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead. Truth. On the third day, just as the scripture said. Stick with that message. Stick with that message. You are forgiven. Jesus went to the cross to forgive you. He didn't go to the cross to put this heavy burden on you, this big yoke of, well, you can't do this, and you can't do this, and you have to do this, and you have to do that, and you can't do this. And if you don't do any of these things, then you're not saved. That's not the gospel. That's not good news. To me, that's not good news. Is that good news to you? No. You know, well, I won't get into that right now. I will later, though. Um, Letter C, recognize error. 2 Peter 3.17, you already know these things, dear friends, so be on your guard. Then you will not be carried away by the errors of these wicked people and lose your own secure footing. Rather, you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That is why we read the Bible. We don't read the Bible to check it off our to-do list and go, well, I read the Bible. I'm pretty spiritual. (laughs) That's not why we read the Bible. We read the Bible so that we can grow in the what? The grace. Get that grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Growing in the grace means that as we come to know the God who is love, we become like him. And we extend grace grace. We extend grace to people. We recognize that people have sorrows and struggles and weaknesses and pain. And, and, you know, like Ira was talking about, you know, those things that continue to just trip us up. But as we come to know the God who is love, we can extend grace to other people. We can accept other people even if they're different than us, if they don't live up to our standard, if they're whatever it happens to be, we can be people of grace. Do you think that the message that says, you suck and God hates you, do you think that that's good news? I just said suck in church. Yes, you heard it. I'm sorry if I offended anybody. But isn't, I mean... The message of the gospel, the good news, is that Jesus died for your sins so that you can be reconciled with the one who created you and, and made you for purpose. To me, that's, a, that's good news. Okay? So then when you see things that don't line up with that message, like condemning people to hell, as if we have the right to do that, or you know, calling people names... In the name of God, when you hear that message, you can go, nope, that's weird. That's spiritual weirdness. People do a lot of things and blame Jesus for it, okay? Jesus is full of grace. It says about the Lord that he is full of grace. He's full of compassion. He's full of mercy. You know what grace is? Grace is not getting what you deserve, So you, we, deserve to be punished for our sins, but because of grace, we're not. Mercy is not not getting, wait, grace is getting what you don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what you do. So mercy 
is where God comes in. I think I might have just messed that up, but I'm, the, th- the thinking feature hasn't returned yet. Did I do it right? Okay, good. Thank you. <laughs> we can interact. Um, so, so God is a God of grace and mercy, and that's good news, and I'm really thankful for that. Because if you've heard my story, you know that I needed a lot of forgiveness. The Bible says that whoever is forgiven much loves much, and I love much. And many of you I know do too, because you've been forgiven much. So when you, when you know someone, you know their preferences. Like, for example, um, if you know someone really well, you'll be able to speak on their behalf. For example, if you know me, if you've known me for longer than 10 minutes, you know that I don't really like coconut. That's an understatement. But let's say, for example, someone comes to you and says, oh, uh, Jody wants coconut cream pie. If you really know me, you'll go, "Uh uh-uh, that's not true. (laughs) Unless she's going on Fear Factor or something. No, she does not want coconut cream pie, right? It's the same thing for, the, for God. It's the same thing for Jesus. When we know what the Bible says about him and about his character, when other people come and start doing stuff that's weird and that's out of his character, we can see it for what it is. And we can recognize that's weird. And that's why we say no spiritual weirdness. It's a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but we've had some really weird stuff happen throughout the years. I could tell you some crazy, crazy stories. Like one time when we were meeting at uh, the Jordan Commons, this guy in the back row started like standing up, like prophesying, except he was dropping the F-bomb, and he was like cursing and yelling all these things. I don't think that he was doing that in the name of Jesus, I'm pretty sure. That wasn't the spirit of God. So that's, that's about all I'm going to say about spiritual weirdness. So you get the idea, right? Do you get the idea? Does anybody have any questions about that? Okay. All right. So part two, value number 10, thou shalt have fun. Uh, So today I'm not really going to talk so much about fun, but rather about how we can rejoice. How we can have joy, even in the midst of our suffering. You know, the Bible says that we should rejoice in our sufferings. It doesn't say rejoice because of your sufferings. Don't rejoice for your sufferings, but rejoice in the midst of it. So I'm going to try to share with you today what joy is what joy isn't, and how you can live a life of joy despite your circumstances. Um, I will say, this season of my life, um, losing my husband, my, the love of my life, um, everything else that's bad that's happened to me is paling in comparison. And I'm not saying this to get pity. I'm just keeping it really real with you guys. Like all of my other trials are here, and this trial is here. It's, it's beyond anything that you can imagine. And I just want to say, too, don't forget about my family, because they're hurting, too. You know, my kids have lost their dad. Their spouses have lost their father-in-law, their father figure, and their pastor. 
So just don't forget about my family. And again, you know, we, we need to extend a lot of grace to each other in the grieving process because grief is ugly and inconvenient. It's unpredictable. It hits you when you least expect it. It's unrelenting. It's excruciating. It's devastating. It's uncomfortable. It's a thief. It's messy. And it's unmerciful. You know, uh, one week, one week, uh, shortly after Eric died, I was like a walking country western song. I mean, it was like everything that could go wrong went wrong. So, for example, um, you know, Eric had given me a, a little red Mercedes from the money that he got from doing the project for China. And I accidentally drove over a median, kind of didn't see it in the night time. And like, it was like $2,300 damage. My dog, we found out my dog had cancer. So she had to have surgery. Someone filed a tax return on the day of Eric's death for a $9,000 refund. Um, So there was identity theft. I was dealing with that. I don't know how many of you have ever dealt with that, but that's not a picnic. Um, I had, you know, several different things happening and I decided, you know, Eric always used to call me Jode. So I thought, I'm going to write the book of Jode. <laughs> like the book of Job, you know, the guy that, anyway. <laughs> um, I, I just want to instruct you guys. I want to help you out here today. Um, there are certain things that you should really avoid saying to people who are grieving. And I don't mean to, I'm not trying to be judgmental at all, and I don't want to make light of it. And I probably have said a lot of these things at one time or another. I just want you to know because um, through the process of grieving, you get really foggy and cloudy and you can't think and you can barely remember like basic things. So I don't remember if any of you have said any of these things to me, but I want you to know that I'm not mad at anybody. I'm not thinking, oh, so-and-so said this to me. I'm going to just preach about them. I don't do that, okay? I don't preach about any individual, okay? So anyway, but here are some things that you should never say to somebody who's grieving. This is a point of instruction. There are many of you I know who have grieved, and so you understand where I'm coming from. But for those of you who haven't grieved, thank God. Um, But I just want to help you out (laughs) to not ever say these things. Okay, first one. God will never give you more than you can handle. Don't ever say that to somebody who's grieving. First of all, it's not theologically true because sometimes he gives us more than we can handle because we need to cast our cares on him, right? Um, Number two, I'm sure it's all for the best. Are you kidding me? Okay, I believe God is good. I believe God is in charge and I love God and I trust him, but I don't really want to hear that, right? Right in the midst of my pain, okay? Okay, not saying anything, that's painful. Like acting like it didn't happen. That's just like, oh, let's just sweep that under the rug. <laughs> Wait, weren't you married at one point? I mean, no. You, we don't, you don't act like it didn't happen. It happened. And I'm thinking about it. So here's another one. Oh, he's in a better place. Okay, I believe that Eric is in heaven, totally. But I'm not there. (laughs) 
I'm here. That's why I'm sad. <laughs> if I was with him, I'd be happy, okay? Um, oh, here's one. I know exactly how you feel. Now, unless you were married to Eric Van Rie for 28 years, you don't know exactly how I feel. So, um, oh, you're going to get better soon. Don't say that to someone in the midst of their grief. Um, don't you think you should kind of be through this by now? I did have someone say that to me, like, so are you over it yet? I'm like, no, not. <laughs> I won't even tell you what I was thinking, my inside voice. <laughs> um, here's one, you should, don't ever tell, don't ever should on someone. <laughs> my brother used to say that, stop shouldn't on me. <laughs> don't ever tell someone what they should do, Okay. When they're grieving. Oh, he or she wouldn't want you to be sad. Well, he or she would probably be pretty insulted if I wasn't sad because that would mean that I didn't really love him that much, right? Okay. Um, You can get married again. Because that's what I'm thinking about right now, (laughs) right? Um, Oh, just stay busy and you'll be fine. You shouldn't be sad in front of your kids. What? I am sad. (laughs) I'm authentic for real. (laughs) My kids, they can handle it. They're sad too, okay? Um, Here's one. It's time for you to get yourself together. (sighs) Okay, here's one. Don't try to cheer someone up. If If they're weeping and they're grieving at the time, don't try to lighten the mood by cheering them up. Let them work through that wave of grief, okay? Um, Don't start any sentence with the words, at least. Like, oh, at least you still have your kids. By golly! (laughs) I hadn't thought of that. (laughs) Okay, I'm done. So did you learn anything? Did anybody learn anything through that? Okay. I'm not trying to be ingracious at all. I just, um, I just want you guys to learn through what we're going through, what we've been through, what many have been through. Just the best thing to say is, I'm so sorry. Or to say, I'm sorry you have to go through this. Or to just hold hug us. Well, some of us, some of, some of my kids don't hug, so <laughs> don't do that. But you know what I'm saying though? Just, just let people know that you're just, you're, you're thinking of them. You're praying for them. And don't think that you're bugging us by texting us to let us know that and say, Hey, I'm praying for you. That is beautiful to us. We might not reply. It's not because we are being annoyed. So anyway, okay. Romans five. Verses 1 through 5. This was the very first passage Eric and I memorized together. I'll never forget it. We were in Cupertino, California, and we were memorizing this in some parking lot somewhere. Therefore, therefore, since we have been right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand, and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. 
we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us to develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead us to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. So we don't rejoice because we're suffering. We rejoice in the midst of our suffering. Some of the things that rejoicing is not, letter A, rejoicing is not denying. When you're rejoicing, you're not saying that I'm not having a hard time. James 1 2 through 4 says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Isaiah 61, 2b and verse 3 Jesus came to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. And the the context for that is ashes. In the, the, the days of the Israelites, when they would grieve, they would put ashes on themselves as a sign of, symbol of mourning, okay? Saying a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. The Proverbs 31 woman is said to have strength and dignity, and it says that she laughs at the future. She laughs at the days to come. It doesn't say she denies that she's going to have trials. We know that Jesus told us, in this world we will have trials, but we can take heart because he overcame the world. That is why we can rejoice. We can rejoice in the midst of our suffering because it is not without purpose, because we do not grieve as those who have no hope. Letter B, our mood is not contingent upon our circumstances. Nehemiah 8, verse 10 says, Nehemiah continued, Go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks. Share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before our Lord. Don't be dejected and sad, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, I know enough about the Bible to know that, it, that there is the principle of mourning, that we do need to mourn. But I have to say, mourning is a seasonal thing. It's not a lifestyle. Rejoicing, on the other hand, is a lifestyle. To make that choice to choose God, to choose life, to choose to believe him, to choose to trust him and know that he does everything well and that he holds our lives in his hands. Letter C, joy does not mean happiness. Psalm 30, you have turned my mourning into joyful dancing. You've taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy that I might sing praises to you and not be silent. Oh, Lord, my God, I will give you thanks forever. Giving thanks changes everything. Rejoicing, delighting in the Lord changes everything. 
You know those mornings when I was out walking, listening to the Psalms? That was the only reason I could go on. That was the only reason I didn't fall into depression or start taking painkillers or whatever. <laughs> I was telling this one family one night, I, was, I left the gym because, you know, Eric and I went to different gyms. So right in the beginning, I lived at the gym because I, I played racquetball. It wasn't like I was working out. I mean, I was playing. Um, but I was there a lot, and that kind of became my happy place. I told a friend of mine that. She goes, the gym? That's my least happy place. <laughs> but, but when I was there, I mean, I had so many opportunities to share the love of God with people because they'd be like, how are you here? And I'm like, the joy of the Lord is my strength. God is giving me strength. God is giving me hope and, and purpose and He's, he's with me. He's comforting me. I'm not saying I didn't have nights where I drove around wailing and missing my husband. But there was that hope in my heart that it is for a purpose and that I am going to see Eric again. And, and I had someone ask me one time, they said, is it, is it okay for me to be mad at God? And I said, you know, You need to grieve however you need to grieve. For me personally, God is the only one that can bring me comfort. So I don't want to hold him at arm's length. So I haven't been mad at him, and I've had that hope. I'm going to see Eric again, and I'm I'm going to get through this. I am not alone. But I'm not always happy. Like, I don't feel happy, right? Right? I'm grieving, but I can still have joy even in the midst of it. Does this make sense? I have to tell you the coolest story. I have to tell you two stories. Okay, so on Friday I was with my... Do you ladies remember Kimberly Dearman? She spoke at our ladies' retreat like three years ago. She's a dear friend of mine, and she and I got together, and we went out to Laguna Beach, and... um, we were hanging out, and Laguna Beach is kind of a, like a crazy beach. It's kind of like Venice Beach a little bit, but a little more toned down. Um, but So we were over there. There's a lot of activity there, and she and I were getting into this deep theological conversation about the, the theology of suffering and, you know, and all of that, and so we're talking about this. And, and so I, I said something, I said, and, and I, and I said, and, and I believe that's why God calls us to suffer. And I went, oh, look, bubbles. <laughs> She just cracked up. She's like, wow, (laughs) you need meds or something. (laughs) Anyway, that was just a random story. Um, The second thing is it was so awesome because she took me to LAX, which is where I flew out. And I don't know what I was thinking when I booked my flight, but I booked it for 6.30 p.m. on a Friday. LAX at 6.30 on a Friday is a zoo. But she and I were talking about, you know, flying and flying out of LAX and, you know, getting TSA pre-screen and all that. We were talking about flying and, and we both said, you know, I've only flown first class one time. She, she got bumped one time and we got bumped one time and that's it, you know. It was actually pretty funny. One time we got bumped as a family and we flew back to Minnesota and Eric said, that's it. We are flying first class every time. We're never flying coach again, <laughs> no matter what the price. And then I looked at the price, I was like... Honey, it's like $270 round trip to Minneapolis. It's like $1,800 one way, first class. He's like, coach is great. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, so 
we're on the 405 and it's like back to back. It's a parking lot. And we're both like sitting there going, okay, we're gonna, this is going to be fine. I'm going to make it. And I said, boy, it's going to be a fun road trip if we don't make it though, huh, Kimberly? <laughs> and so we're, we're just sitting there just going, okay, we can make this. So I get to LAX and then she drops me off at this terminal and then I have to walk two more terminals down. Well, a terminal there is not like a terminal at the Salt Lake Airport. It's way down there. And for some reason, they, they put the American Airlines in with the Delta I don't know why, but anyway, so I'm booking, you know, trying to get there, and then I get up to uh, to the uh, TSA, or what is it? Yeah, TSA, and I'm like, I had pre-screen on the way out, but not on the way back, so I don't know why. So I got in the line, and it was long. I'm just like, okay, I'm gonna, it's, it'll be fine. I'm going to make this. So then I get through that, and then I'm running over to my gate, and, and then I got in this line and handed him my ticket, and this, like, alarm went off, and it said, you know, wrong terminals, <laughs> or wrong, uh, wrong gate, so I was trying to go somewhere else. So I had to run to this other, it was like they have, it was gate 60A, and I went into 60B, so anyway, it was, it was just a little stressful, and so I got to 60A, so I get through there. All of a sudden, I hand the guy, you know, I have my little mobile. And, and so he screens the, the thing, and he goes, oh, what's your name? And I'm like, oh, gosh, no. Now what? He goes, we've upgraded you to first class. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> yeah! <laughs> I'm not even kidding you. I giggled like the whole way. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. I couldn't stop giggling. It was, it, was a, it was amazing. So I flew first class. And then I texted Kimberly. I said, did you upgrade me to first class? She said, no. So I don't even know what happened, but Jesus likes me. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, letter D. That was just kind of another random story. But I was delighting at that moment. I was rejoicing at that moment. Joy is not inconsistent. Okay, I said it's not contingent upon our circumstances, our mood. How many times have you been like fighting with your spouse or yelling at your kids or really kicked off and, and your phone rings and you're like, hi. <laughs> oh, I'm good. How are you? Your family's like, liar. <laughs> right? You can make a choice. Can you not? Yes. So here's my challenge for you. Choose joy. Okay? This world is, is not our home. Everything is a season. You're going to get through whatever you're going to get through. But choose joy. Choose joy. Isaiah 55, 11 says, the same with my word. I send it out. It always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. You, receive this now, you will live in joy and peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song, and the trees of the field will clap their hands. To live a life of rejoicing. Letter A, rejoice always. Philippians 4, 4, this is one of my life verses. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. 
Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Letter B, enjoy life. Psalm 1611, you will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. We can sing, we can rejoice because we know that we have a God who is with us, who is for us and who loves us. Letter D, live a life of joy. Galatians 5, 22 and 23, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these things, there is no law. There's not a law against being loving. There's not a law against going into Starbucks and being nice to your barista instead of treating them like a servant or a slave. There's no law against that. There's no law against being joyful. As a matter of fact, the more joyful you are, the more you're going to see that it is contagious to those around you. You know, rather than waking up in the morning and just deciding to be grouchy, decide you're going to be joyful, regardless of what's going on in your life. Are, are there any of these things going on right now? <laughs> Proverbs 17, 11, it says, A cheerful heart or a joyful heart is good medicine. Go away. <laughs> Not done. A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit saps a person's strength. You know that. You see it, right? That if you see... Oh, Robbie, the, the counselor that I went to in L.A., he and his wife have a ministry. They've started, I don't even know how many orphanages in Cambodia. I could throw out a number, but it might be a lie. <laughs> so um, they, they are the most godly, loving people. And God put them right in this, it's called the House on the Hill, and it's right by Sunset Boulevard, right in the heart of L.A., in this neighborhood of, like, all Cambodians. And I am telling you, when Robbie and Benita walk into these businesses, Robbie's like, oh, I want you to meet Laura and Paul, and I want you to meet Eva. And, you know, it's like he's introducing me to all these people that he's loving, and he's sharing Christ with these people. And when he and Benita walk into these businesses, the place lights up. Everybody's like, oh, Robbie, Benita, they love them. And it's because they have joy. And it's not because Robbie and Benita have this charmed life and they've never been through anything. Believe me, they've been through plenty. But a cheerful heart, a joyful heart is good medicine. But a broken spirit saps a person's strength. We're going to be starting a, a series on Ephesians coming up, which is one of my favorite books. I realized as I was writing this message that, you know, we could do a series on joy and we could talk about it for an entire year. I mean, I just barely scratched the surface. The Bible has so much to say. 168 references in the Old Testament and like, I don't know, 60 some in the New Testament. I mean, joy is throughout the Bible. 
And that is what we have been called to live, to live a life of joy, even when we're grieving, even when our hearts are broken, that we can have joy because the joy of the Lord is our strength. I'm going to uh, pray a prayer over you, a prayer of blessing. But I would also um, like to just let you know if you have something that's weighing you down right now or something that's breaking your heart or anything, if you need prayer for anything, we want to be available to pray for you. So if I could invite some people up to pray that um, have a heart to pray for others, if you could come forward. If, if there's something that's weighing you down right now, just want to invite you to come forward and get prayer. And also, if you don't know Jesus, if you don't have this kind of relationship with him where you know his voice and you hear him and you, you sense his forgiveness for you, just want to ask you to just share that with one of these amazing people up here. These are some awesome people up here. So I just want to pray over you. This is taken out of Romans chapter 15. And can you just receive this as though the Lord was saying this to you directly? And if, you're, if you don't think it's too weird, number nine, you could just open your hands like this as a sign that you want to receive this from the Lord. It's a, it's a present from him. Don't you love it when people give you presents and you don't expect it? Romans 15, 13. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I just pray right now, God, for my favorite people. I just pray, Lord God, that you would fill each and every one of us with your joy and your peace because we trust in you, Lord. We want to trust in you more. Lord, I pray that you would increase our faith. Lord, you would increase our ability to understand the Bible. You would increase our ability to hear your voice, Lord. Lord, we want to know you more. We want to know you, Lord. We want to know the joy and the peace that go beyond our understanding, Lord. We want to have that joy that's unspeakable. And so, Father, I do pray for each and every need, Lord, that people bring forth today, God. And I ask, Lord, that you would meet people in their time of need. I pray, Lord, you would reveal yourself to people in a profound way. Lord, we invite you, we welcome you, Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Minister life, minister hope, minister joy, minister peace. In the name of Jesus, we love you, Lord. Amen. So as I said, we're going to have people available up here if you want to come up and get prayer for anything, even if it seems trivial. You know, the Lord knows everything, and he's concerned about everything. So I love you guys. Thank you for your prayers. Don't stop. God bless you guys.